morning, everyone. How are we all today? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Good stuff. Nice. Um, so, we're looking at an aspect of biblical wisdom today, um, contemplating a phrase. Um, and before I say the phrase, I think it's quite apt that in a lot of churches you have a, a little cross or a big cross at the uh, usually behind the preacher at the end, and we have one today, so that's great. <laughs> I'm sure I don't know what else it could mean, but kids. Uh. Um, so the phrase we're looking at today is, "We are dust that is infinitely loved." We are dust. That is infinitely loved. So given I'm looking at some wisdom, we'll be getting a little bit deep today. Uh, so if at any point it's a bit too much, I'll be speaking about things about self-esteem as well, then feel free to have a wander outside if you want to, uh, especially if I talk about anything you're sensitive to. Um, so we are dust that is infinitely loved. Now what do I mean by that? As a phrase, it's a summary of part of Psalm 103 which is a passage I'm primarily drawing from today, uh, but also Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and Ecclesiastes 3. So let's start with some Bible reading, always a good place to start, and then go from there. Um, Mel, can I ask you to prepare Genesis chapter 2, verse 7? Um, Joy, can I ask you to prepare <laughs> Ecclesiastes 3, verse 20? And Kate... I'm giving you the big one. Can I ask yes, you to prepare Psalm 103, verse 8 to 17? So Psalm 103, verses 8 to 17. So Mel, are you ready to go? Genesis 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Do you want to read it one more time? Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Thank you, Mel. Joy. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 20. All go to the same place, all come from dust, and to dust all return. Thank you. And then we will go to Kate. So, Psalm 103, verses 8 to 17. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west... So far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, 
So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Thanks, Kay. Good. Yeah, for he knows how we were formed. He remembers that we were dust. Um, by my count, there's at least 15 references in the Bible to people being made from dust and being dust. So it's clear that this is something we should pay attention to and at least have a, have a think about. And from all these verses, something becomes clear. We are dust. So let's begin at looking at what this could possibly mean um, for a little while. And then after that, we'll go on to God's everlasting love. So, like dust blown away in the wind, many aspects of our lives and our lives themselves are fleeting and temporary. We are not made of grand magical materials or some sort of special material stuff that elevates us above all the other stuff around us. We're made of dust. Ordinary dust. Yeah. Our lives are fleeting and temporary. Now, that's pretty humbling, isn't it? <laughs> That is greatly, greatly humbling. Very, very humbling. For all our achievements, we are dust. Hmm. But what is humility? What does our dusty nature bring us to? So, we need to look at what's humility then? Now, I've got a, a demonstration, I guess. Can I have two volunteers? You will need to come up <laughs> you'll need to stand still in one position yes beth thank you um so if i can position you here and beth uh you, yeah we'll just go about there so this is our you are a physical scale uh as in you are one end and you are one end so <laughs> i didn't think about which yeah we'll go right left okay um, so, on the right side, Beth, um, yeah, sorry, on the right side, Beth, we have self-deprecation. We have someone who, I'm not saying this about you, Beth, I'm not putting this over you, <laughs> not at all. I was going to put this on a slide, but, so we have, we, yes, just a placeholder. So we have self-deprecation, someone who undervalues themselves, who says they are useless, puts themselves down all the time, doesn't think they're able to do anything at all or contribute anything. So nothing like Beth. But, um, but also it belittles themselves. So on this side of the scale, we have a real lack of self-esteem. We have someone who belittles themselves, someone who doesn't value themselves. Um, thank you. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was hoping you would act it, but I thought it'd be too cold to act. So. Good. 
And on this side, um, we have arrogance, big-headedness. Yes, thank you. Someone who thinks way too much of themselves. <laughs> thinks they're the absolute bee's knees and every other insect's knees as well. That's how arrogant they are. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to act as the point in the middle, if that makes sense, between these, or the point somewhere, between these two different people. So, I'm going to ask you a question. If I'm humility, and yeah, I know it's not very humble to say I'm humility, but for the sake of the diagram, <laughs> I'm humility. Where do we think on this scale humility comes? Ooh. It varies. So uh, I can just go at this. <laughs> so some people are saying middle. Some people are saying slightly, slightly closer to Beth. Yeah. 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 Hmm. You are exactly right. It was a trick question. <laughs> and Tony did as well. Humility isn't anywhere on this scale. Thank you. You can sit down. Thank you very much. Um. Yeah, it's not, humility isn't a balance between arrogance and self-deprecation or a lack of self-esteem. It's not anywhere on this scale that we had. It's not a balance at all. Um, and now to clarify, when I'm talking about humility, I'm referring not only to our kind of generally how humble we are, but also how humble we are when it comes to certain tasks or certain people or people groups, roles we have, viewpoints, etc., uh, that's to say we can be more or humble in some bit of our lives and you know, less humble in others. Um, so what's the issue with viewing humility in this way is this kind of weird balancing act between two bad things. So the issue with our right side here is that, and this is no matter how far away we are from it or how close we are to it, is that a lack of self-esteem, a complete lack of self-esteem that, that belittles oneself is in some strange way a more hidden self-centeredness in a sense. In a very weird hidden way, it's still kind of centered around ourselves. So you're not more humble because you lack self-esteem. Yeah. When we speak out of a lack of self-esteem in a certain area of our lives or just generally, we say things like, oh, I should be better, but I'm not better. It's all my fault. Why do I make so many mistakes? And there can be this kind of fake idealized form of ourselves that is, that is better than us, that is never at fault, that never makes any mistakes. And the fact that we aren't matching up to this kind of superhuman um, Matching up to how we view ourselves is a, can be a reason why we don't think we're all that good. Because we're not as good as this amazing person that we view ourselves as. Mm. That is to say, we lack self-esteem. And I'm definitely guilty of doing this. Um, just this past week, I was at work looking at my task list, worrying, oh, why haven't I done more of it? Um, oh, if only I could just do more 
I'm not quite good enough to do all these different things. Why don't I have this certain skill so I could get this done really quick? Da -da -da. All these kind of thoughts. And then on Tuesday, right at the end of my work day, uh, I moved a small chair, which was probably the lightest thing I moved that day, uh, and then pulled a muscle in my back. Um, and that was definitely a check of humility for me. <laughs> uh, that I'm not just some superhuman who can do everything. I have a body. I am dust. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a superhuman who can do everything. I'm dust. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes, and I'm sure we may recognize this in others or in parts of ourselves as well, those who have low self-esteem are those who are, in a sense, the most self-centered, sometimes as a sort of way of falsely attempting to value themselves or value ourselves more. And there are many complicated reasons for low self-esteem, of course. Yeah, often those who don't love others well are those who don't love themselves well. Um, and there's a quote that's commonly misattributed to C.S. Lewis, but it's still a good one which is, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's not lacking self-esteem, it's not doubting your abilities, it's thinking of yourself less. Um, and to clarify, I'm not saying any of this so we all feel judged in any way. There are complicated reasons that are often trauma-related for a lack of self-esteem. I'm saying it so we all understand that self-deprecation, judging ourselves harshly, is not what God calls us to do. We aren't called to physical or emotional self-flagellation. Humility isn't a lack of self-esteem, but a perfected self-esteem. So let's look at our ultimate example of humility uh, that we find in Jesus by reading Philippians 2 verses Five to eight. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Mm, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now we know that Jesus wasn't arrogant at all, but neither, neither did Jesus put himself down. He knew exactly what power, what authority he had, but he didn't loudly boast about it, and he didn't turn over the whole earth with it, even though he could. Neither did he alleviate his own suffering, though he was able to, for he knew why it was needed. Hmm. Pursuing humility doesn't cheapen our real difficulties, our, our personal hardships, as if in humility we won't have any struggles, because it's, it's fine, everything's fine in humility. Because we know that Jesus got stressed to the point of bleeding tears, Jesus got hurt, Jesus cried for his friends. And died a painful this, um, sorry, died a painful death, and this was all 
in humility. So, what is humility? It's knowing who we truly are. We aren't, any, we aren't way more important than anyone else. A super amazing person who can do and be everything. But neither are we just some little thing that can't be able to do anything at all. Um, what are we then? Well, we are dust. We are dust that will blow away in the wind. Finite dust. However, we have a father whose love is everlasting and infinite. And he loves us. This proverb Chapter 22, verse 4 says, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Yeah, ultimately, humility isn't a right position or orientation with just ourselves. It's a right position. It's a right relationship with God. Humility is saying, I'm so small compared to the glory and the wonder and the majesty and power of the, and the boundless love of God. But that same God who I'm so small compared to cares about me and loves me. Wow. Wow. Mm. That same God cares about me and loves me. So let's focus in on this point then about God's everlasting love. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of the bits again from Psalm 103 that we read earlier. So verses 13 to 14 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Um, Yeah, and here we see that us being dust puts us in a humble position but God loves us dust. As a father loves his children who are lesser than him, so God loves us who are dust compared to him. And then verses 15 to 17. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. So in verses 15 to 17, we see that though we flourish and float away with the wind, that is to say we're finite, and we don't stick around for all that long, God's love goes on forever and ever, and his love sustains us forever on earth and beyond earth. Hmm. Yeah, almost at the end now. Though we are merely dust, God loves us deeply and truly. We are dust, but we are his dust. We are dust, finite grass that's blown away in the wind. But we have a father whose love is everlasting and infinite. And he loves us. So when Genesis 2.7 says we were formed out of the dust... It also says, the one forming us out of this dust was God the Father, out of his everlasting love for us, even crafting us in his own image. Formed, We are formed out of the dust, but the one who was forming us was our Father, God, out of his everlasting love. Hmm. Yeah. 
So, to conclude, we are dust, but we are dust that is loved infinitely by our Father, here now on this earth, and everlasting beyond it. Mm. And I wanted to leave a, a good amount of time, which I have, <laughs> loads of time, to kind of process this through and do some application things, and I thought it would be best that we do this in, in small little groups, discussing together. So if we can split into a few uh, discussion groups and then discuss a little bit of application. So I've got a few questions. Uh, and you can choose whichever questions you think would be most helpful or don't choose any of them and just discuss whatever, whatever you want about the talk, really. Um, so if you want to get out your phone so you're able to write down the questions or at least, you know, a few people around the room. I would have put these on the slides, but alas, yeah. Uh, I also have paper and pens, but it should be okay. Um, so five questions. Number one is quite a simple one. What stuck out to you in the talk? Did anything strike you? Very simple. Number two was, is, was, is, how difficult do you find humility in the different areas of life? How difficult do you find humility in the different areas of life? So at work, at home, with family, certain friends, certain skills, job roles, things you do, etc. So number three, um, are we ever too hard on ourselves? Why do you think this is? And what can we do about it? That's kind of three questions in one, but are we ever too hard on ourselves? Why do you think this is? What are we able to do about it? Yeah, and with that, we'll remember that not all the responsibility is on us for all of this. We live in community. We have our God in heaven but we all live in community together as a church, but also, obviously, we're all part of different groups of people. Um, and they can be really essential to, yeah, praying through this stuff and helping. Um, yeah, it's not all, yeah. Um, question number four, what ways do you grow in realizing God's love for you? So what ways do you grow what mm, what ways do you grow in realizing God? I think oh I've forgotten some words, sorry. What ways do you What ways do you need to grow in realizing God's love for you? I think it's meant to be. What ways do you need to grow in realizing God's love for you? And then question number five is what areas No, I'm, well, okay. Number five, <laughs> what areas of your mind, soul, or life do you need to experience more of God's love? Yeah, so previous one, I should have trusted my notes. It is what I said it is. <laughs> so, yeah, number five is what areas of your mind, soul, or life do you need to experience more of God's love? And then before was, as I said initially, what ways do you grow uh, in realizing God's love for you. So like different, 
tactics or different things. So maybe it's encouragement from people at work um, or prayers or something. Um, yeah, or through other people or through quiet time or through you know, all these different kind of strategies and ways that we can realize God's love for us. Or maybe it's through counseling or something else. Um, that's the five questions. Um, yeah. Hello. Yes. What areas of your mind, soul, or life do you need to experience more of God's love? Has everyone got them all? Tom, go ahead. <laughs> 